Welcome, Welcome to the NYC Lab Podcast, the Daily Chomp. A student who has run the podcast about the NYC Lab community and the world in the world. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining us on this stream. Hello, beautiful people, and welcome to the latest edition of the New York City Lab School student-run podcast, The Daily Chomp. I'm your host, Kolgashi Nelson, and today marks the official start of the segment, Old King Cole's Neighborhood Show, where we explore and talk about different interesting neighborhoods in New York City. I'll typically rotate between the five boroughs, so for instance, one week I'll do a neighborhood in Brooklyn, then one in Staten Island, then one in Manhattan, then one in Queens, and then one in the Bronx. All right, let's get to it. For the first episode, I decided to profile Williamsburg in Brooklyn. I can honestly say it's one of my favorite neighborhoods. It's just such a diverse community, not just ethnically, but really in all respects. It has residential and industrial sections. It has standalone houses and crowded tenements. It has brownstones and row houses. Really, it has a little bit of everything. And that's why I find Williamsburg fascinating. So we'll go through Williamsburg section by section, because Williamsburg is really broken down into these very specific sub-neighborhoods in a way that most areas aren't. It's really a bunch of neighborhoods within one. To start, we'll go north of the Williamsburg Bridge, which connects Williamsburg to Manhattan's Lower East Side. Now we'll divide this area into three chunks. To start, let's talk about the area's waterfront along the East River. In the 17 and 1800s, development really started there when several ferries were established going between Williamsburg and Manhattan, carrying produce from Queens and Long Island as well as passengers. I should say what's now Williamsburg because Williamsburg wasn't called by its current name until 1802. Until then, the area along the East River was known as Bushwick Shore and the Strand, among other names. It wasn't until the second half of the 19th century that Williamsburg's waterfront really started to take off. Factories and warehouses came, and the adjoining neighborhoods became heavily populated by immigrant workers at these factories. The most prominent of these factories was the Domino Sugar Refinery, which can be seen from Manhattan. The refinery is a huge building that just towers over Williamsburg's waterfront and was a major employer in the area from its founding in 1881 to its closure in 2004. The nature of its employees reflected who was newly arrived in the area, being largely German, Jewish, Polish, and Italian from its founding until the 1940s, to being largely Puerto Rican from then until the 1960s and 70s, to being largely Dominican from then on in. Especially for the Latino immigrants, the presence of this refinery is what led them to move to Williamsburg in the first place. Moving on, many brewers, that means people who make beer, also set up shop in this part of Williamsburg with North 11th Street between Barry Street and Wythe Avenue being called Brewer's Row because so many of them set up factories there. Like most industry in the area, the brewers pretty much all closed in the 1960s and 70s, and the industry in the area died until the opening of the Brooklyn Brewery in 1988. Brooklyn Brewery's still pretty much the only brewery on Brewer's Row, and this was a pretty rough time for the neighborhood as a whole. A lot of these factories that had provided work closed and became vacant. Because of this, a lot of artists started buying these factories and turning them into studio and living spaces. This started in the 70s and accelerated in the 80s and 90s, especially when Soho and the East Village became more gentrified. Even for a hungry artist, buying a warehouse in Williamsburg wasn't hard. I mean, 
A lot of these buildings were empty and owned by the city, which was a major financial trouble and had no idea what to do with them. In a lot of cases, the city was literally selling properties for a dollar. That's right, you could just pay a dollar and own a piece of New York real estate. So the costs weren't expensive at the time. Even so, some artists just moved in anyway. The fire department had to evict a lot of them because they were living in these lofts illegally. All of this led to a flourishing arts community in this part of Williamsburg, remnants of which still exist. By 1996, 3,000 artists lived in Williamsburg, mainly in converted lofts near the East River. And, like most happy stories, this one had to come to some sort of end. In this case, like what often happens in New York, the artists just got priced out. The East River waterfront of Williamsburg became prime real estate. I mean, look at it. Beautiful views close to Manhattan, a bridge with a bike path and the subway nearby. Developers know an opportunity when they see one, and so they started purchasing a lot of these lofts. Some were converted into housing. Others were simply torn down and replaced with these huge condos. Now these condos are what dot the skyline of the area. The changes haven't all been so bitter. Plenty of the old factories had unclean chemicals in them particularly the Bayside oil gas storage tanks at Kent Avenue between North 11th and North 12th Streets. In 2007, the city cleaned up pollution at the site and turned it into Bushwick Inlet Park, which is now a big spot for the community. A promenade-type area has been constructed in front of the former Domino Sugar Factory. It's a legitimate question whether or not any of that would have happened without the influx of wealthier residents. Gentrification is also a general theme in the section of Williamsburg known as the North Side, which is adjacent to the East River and north of Grand Street. It borders Greenpoint at North 12th and McCarran Park. Historically, it was largely Italian and much of this community remains, especially east of the Brooklyn Queens Expressway, or BQE. Metropolitan Avenue, the area's main thoroughfare, is lined with Italian businesses such as the Napoli Bakery and the Metropolitan Fish Market. Another good Italian bakery in the area is Fortunato Brothers on DeVoe Street, which has pictures of famous Italian-Americans like Frank Sinatra on the walls. The area is home to the historic Our Lady of Mount Carmel Church at Havemeyer and North 8th Streets, which has a large Giglio Festival. Giglio means lily in Italian, in honor of the Neapolitan Saint Paulinus of Nola. Nola is a town near Naples where many immigrants to the north side originated. Those mafia nerds out there, don't be shy. The north side has plenty of that sort of history, too. Graham Avenue, renamed Via Vespucci north of Grand Street, and Withers Street, used to be home to the Motion Lounge Club, which was a major hangout for members of the Bonanno crime family, and was a central location in FBI agent Joseph Bastone's six-year undercover operation against the mob. However, Italians were far from the only community to establish a significant presence on the north side. Memorial Gore, which sits on the north side's eastern edge and commemorates young men from the neighborhood who fought in World War II, lists men with Polish, German, Jewish, Italian, Lithuanian, and Irish surnames. The northern parts of the north side near Greenpoint historically had a large Polish presence, although this area has become one of the most gentrified parts of Williamsburg due to its location on the M train line, in addition to the fact that Polish immigration has slowed in recent years and many members of the community have moved away. There was once a Lithuanian community on the north side, too, but the only trace of it left is the assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary Catholic Church, 
on Metropolitan Avenue, which still offers services in Lithuania. Additionally, there is a large Puerto Rican population along Grand Street and Metropolitan Avenue. The north side also has a large and active music scene, especially in the area near the Bedford Avenue subway station. It was a major incubator for bands on the noise rock, electronic, indie, and avant-garde scenes in the 90s. Probably the most famous of these bands was Scissor Sisters, known for their hit Let's Have a Kiki. The Brick Theater, a famous underground and avant-garde performance space, is located in a converted garage on Metropolitan Avenue near Lorimer Street. It has events ranging from music to drag to experimental theater. In addition to the north side and East River waterfront, there's also the area known as Los Sures, which means south side in Spanish, largely populated by Puerto Ricans and Dominicans who came because of manufacturing jobs in the Domino Sugar Factory and the Brooklyn Navy Yard. Los Sures was probably the section of the neighborhood most affected by the hard times of the 60s and 70s, most infamous for its large drug trade. In 1971, NYPD officer and corruption whistleblower Frank Serpico was almost killed during a drug stakeout on Driggs Avenue, which was later proven to be a trap laid by his colleagues. Although it's no longer as Hispanic as it used to be, the area is still a center of Latino culture. Havamere Street continues to be home to lots of bodegas. There's also the Caribbean Social Club on Grand Street, the last of what were formerly many Puerto Rican social clubs in Los Sures, and several money transfer businesses on Borinquen Place. The area is home to numerous Spanish-speaking Protestant congregations and has a strong activist culture. El Puente is the leader of this culture, arguably, and it's an arts and social justice organization headquartered in the neighborhood. El Puente was founded in 1982 by Luis Garden Acosta, with a mission of using the arts as a tool to increase community pride among Latino youth in Williamsburg, with the ultimate goal of reducing violence. Garden Acosta was a former member of the Young Lords, who were basically the Puerto Rican Black Panthers, and was heavily inspired by them in his work. El Puente is still highly active in Williamsburg and is involved in everything from educational programs to vaccination drives. Another prominent community group in Los Sures is Southside United HDFC, which develops and manages affordable housing in the area and operates El Museo de Los Sures, which works to preserve the neighborhood's history and culture. Now we'll talk about East Williamsburg, the portion of Williamsburg east of Bushwick Avenue, which these days is often treated as a separate neighborhood, but for all practical purposes we'll consider it part of Williamsburg. A majority of this neighborhood is covered by the East Williamsburg Industrial Park, or EWIP, which extends south into Bushwick. The EWIP was created in 1982 to revitalize East Williamsburg's manufacturing industry. It had mixed success, but the area's factories are mostly occupied by industrial tenants today. On the downside, the area is relatively polluted, with the Newtown Creek, which forms its eastern boundary with Queens, being declared a Superfund site in 2010. 
Gas tanks in the area also created a large oil spill in the late 1970s, and recent tests confirm that the area's soil is still toxic. Not all of East Williamsburg is industrial, though, and the area has lots of cultural institutions and restaurants. A particular highlight of the community is Cooper Park, which is surrounded by small single-family houses. It's a diverse area since many houses have been bought by young urban professionals and complement a long-standing black and Hispanic population. It's also the namesake of the Cooper Park Houses, a public housing project. The Cooper Park area was formerly home to Greenpoint Hospital, a 10-building medical complex that was closed in 1982. The buildings have been converted into affordable housing, a women's shelter, and a community center, although one remains derelict and at least two were demolished. Heading south, Metropolitan Avenue east of Bushwick has a large Hispanic population, mainly Puerto Rican but with Dominicans and Mexicans as well. Historic St. Nicholas Catholic Church has long been a neighborhood institution. Additionally, East Williamsburg has also attracted many artists, most prominently in the McKibben Street Lofts, two abandoned garment factories that were turned into lofts in the 90s. The McKibben Lofts were once known for their wild late-night parties, an artsy population, and locals nicknamed it the Art Dorm. In 2000, the lofts were raided by the FBI, who came looking for members of the hacker group Anonymous. Since then, the buildings have been renovated, and at least some of the lofts are now market-rate rentals. In addition to the McKibben lofts, there are many galleries in the area because the rents are cheaper than in western areas of Williamsburg. Uh. Uh. Moving to the other side of Williamsburg, we'll be going down to the south side. The section of the neighborhood south of the Williamsburg Bridge, east of the Brooklyn Navy Yard, and west of the BQE. The south side is a relatively dense area, mainly consisting of tenements. It has been largely Jewish since the late 1800s. The south side today can be divided into two sections. The first section, north of Division Avenue, is more or less an extension of Los Sures and has a large Puerto Rican and Dominican population. Nonetheless, it's pretty diverse. This section also has a large and fast-growing Hasidic Jewish population and an active nightlife scene, with many bars and restaurants. Portions south of Division Avenue is almost exclusively populated by Hasidic Jews, most of whom belong to the Satmar dynasty. A uh, dynasty is a division within Hasidic Judaism, for those who don't know, um, which originated in Satumare, Romania. Satmar is Satumare's Yiddish name. In the late 1940s and early 50s, many Hasidic Jews of various dynasties moved to the South Side. At this time, the South Side's Jewish population was very diverse and included non-religious Jews and Jews who were religious but not Hasidic. Many of the Hasidic newcomers had survived the concentration camps, but with their communities decimated. However, Satmar Rebbe Joel Tiedelbaum, a Rebbe is the leader of a Hasidic dynasty, ultimately became the most powerful figure in the Southside Jewish community. And this led to tension between the Orthodox and Hasidim because Tiedelbaum was an outspoken anti-Zionist. This tension often comes up in the novels of Chaim Patak, an Orthodox Jewish rabbi and writer. There is also tension with other Hasidic dynasties in the area. Different Hasidic dynasties often hate each other just as much as they do Goyim, meaning non-Jews, 
due to the Rebbe's trying to attack different followers and having minor differences in doctrine. So many non-Satmars moved out, and the area south of Division is pretty much a Satmar ghetto today. The Satmar population in Williamsburg numbers about 57,000, and they have one of the highest birth rates in the The Hasidim in the south side have been much more successful at resisting gentrification than other ethnic groups in Williamsburg. This is despite the fact that Hasidic Williamsburg has a poverty rate of roughly 60%, about a third of the community takes public assistance, and many Hasidim have difficulty speaking English due to the lack of secular education. They mostly speak Yiddish. The reason they've managed to stay in the neighborhood is that most of the buildings in their area are owned by Hasidic landlords. Most of the South Side's apartments are designed with their needs in mind. Since Hasidic families require two kitchens for proper preparation of food under Jewish law, as well as additional living space for their large families. Many empty factories in the area have been bought and converted to residential use by Jewish developers with the Hasidim in mind rather than wealthy newcomers. Moving east a bit, let's head to South Williamsburg, which has long been the center of Williamsburg Latino population. Graham Avenue, the area's main drag, so to speak, has a campus of Boricua College, which was founded in 1974 specifically to serve the needs of the Puerto Rican community, and was renamed Avenue of Puerto Rico south of Grand Street. Graham also has a branch of Banco Popular de Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico's largest bank, once a year, the area hosts a Puerto Rican Day Parade. Nearby is the Moore Street Market, known as La Marqueta de Williamsburg in Spanish, which was founded in 1941 as part of Mayor Fiorello LaGuardia's efforts to remove pushcarts from the streets of New York City. Out of the markets this, this initiative created across the city, Moore Street Market is one of only four still in operation. Since the 1960s, it has largely hosted Hispanic vendors who sell a range of food, arts, and crafts and herbs from their native countries. It has effectively served as an anchor for South Williamsburg's Latino community, and when the city tried to close it in 2008, neighborhood activists and merchants successfully rallied to keep it open. There is also a large Dominican presence in South Williamsburg, with many Dominican-owned nail salons and restaurants such as El Gran Canario and Los Primos on Grand Street. The neighborhood was also home to the recently closed Fula Lounge, a regular stopover for Dominican reggaeton artists when they came to New York. South Williamsburg's architecture is very diverse, with tenements, brownstones, and row houses all being common. The area also has plenty of public and subsidized housing, with some of it built over vacant lots in the 70s and 80s. Many of these developments were constructed earlier, however, as a form of urban renewal, in order to replace overcrowded tenements. An example of this is Lindsay Park, which was constructed in 1962 and is the most diverse apartment complex in the United States and largest affordable housing development in Brooklyn that isn't a housing project. South Williamsburg also has the historic Williamsburg Houses, which was built in the late 1930s and is one of the oldest housing projects in the city. It was one of the first public buildings projects to use modernist architectural techniques, and the art in the complex is the first government-commissioned abstract art in the world. 
Several abstract artists were hired to paint murals, most prominently Balcombe Green, a friend of Jackson Pollock and Lee Krasner, but among the rejected proposals for the mural commissions were designs by Stuart Davis, whose commercial paintings for Lucky Strike cigarettes were probably the biggest inspiration for pop art in the 70s, and Willem de Kooning, a Dutch-born painter who later became one of the founding fathers of abstract expressionism in the 50s. Abstract sculptor Jose de Rivera also designed statues for the houses. And well, that's just about all the news that's fit to print about Williamsburg. I hope you enjoyed that episode and that you'll join us again on Old King Cole's Neighborhood Show and The Daily Chomp. Don't forget to tune in tomorrow for Cameron's episode. And thank you for listening. Goodbye. Uh, uh, uh.